the movie and the song became an instant hit. In fact, it hit number one on billboards across the U.S. and around the world. And uh, the movie is considered one of Elvis's best. Uh, historically, it is. And most historians also consider the movie The Rendition of Jailhouse Rock is kind of the first prototype to uh, music video, uh, you know, MTV kind of thing. And uh, the storyline of Jailhouse Rock, in fact, how many of you have seen it? Yeah. All right. If you haven't, go rent it. But uh, we'll baffle them at Blockbuster this week. So. But uh, the, the movie, uh, Vince Everett is an ex-con. He's played by Elvis. And he gets in a bar fight that wasn't his fault, but he ends up in prison. And while he's in prison, he learns to play the guitar And like most of his movies, upon release from prison, he releases a song and becomes a hit. But the the plot that's underneath it all is Everett, this spoiled, self-centered, kind of a brash individual, uh, struggles with guilt, and he struggles to find himself. A little piece of trivia for you uh, Elvis buffs. uh, Jailhouse Rock, Elvis never watched it. His co-star, Judy Tyler, was killed in a car wreck about two weeks after they completed filming. And that bothered Elvis to such a degree that he refused to watch the movie. Never watched it. We've been in this series, uh, Graceland. And uh, we've been talking about the fact that as Christians, we live in Graceland. And today what I want to talk about is the jail that all of us have found ourselves in. This jail that is just full of guilt. And for some, it's a season in their life. But for others, it feels like a life sentence. I mean, how many of you have ever been there in that jailhouse of guilt? You've done something. You know it was wrong. And you come to a point and you think, okay, I did it. I did it. But you can't let it go. You, you kind of sentence yourself. You kind of punish yourself. You lock yourself up in this jail with, with guilt. And it's something that I think all of us struggle with in our lives. James writes this. He says, the person who keeps every law of God but makes one little slip is just as guilty as the person who has broken every law there is. Now, Obviously, there is different degrees of guilt. The fact is that's how we look at things, okay, as humans. We look and we go, ooh, this is worse than that. That's a little thing or a small thing, and that's a big thing. And the fact is James is trying to make the point that whether you have sinned once or you have a bunch of sins, whether they're big or small, He says, we're all guilty. We're all guilty. In other words, we're all in the same situation together. Now, what is guilt? I mean, we all know what it feels like, right? The psalmist, I think, uh, puts it well in Psalms 38. It says, my guilt has overwhelmed me like a burden too heavy to bear. Every one of us have known that feeling in our life of being overwhelmed of that feeling of, I hope nobody finds out. That, that feeling of being locked up in this jailhouse of guilt in our lives. And the first thing I wonder is, is it by God's design? 
I mean, you do something wrong, and then by default, you find yourself in this jailhouse of guilt, you know, where God goes, now you can live with it for a while. Now you can live with it the rest of your life. Friends, that is not the purpose of guilt. Guilt is not there to just make you feel bad. In fact, it has a much greater purpose in its life, in, in your life. It is actually a warning light. And when it goes off, it's saying something's wrong. Something needs to be fixed in, in your life. It's kind of like when the warning light in your car goes off. It tells you something's wrong. It needs to be fixed. And we're all different how we deal with that warning light. I mean, some of you, the moment it goes off, you're on your cell making an appointment to get it fixed immediately. You need to get it into the garage. Some of you pound on the dash. You hope it's a short. You treat, it, treat the warning light like it's malfunctioning. Someone said a warning light needs a warning light to tell you the warning light doesn't work. Some of you just ignore it. I went to school uh, when I was working on my BA, and uh, every time I got in this one guy's car, the oil light was on. And, and for months, I would go, hey, the oil light's on. He goes, I know. Have you checked your oil? You, you really ought to check your oil. And then one day, he called the dorm. He needed a ride. His engine had seized up. And uh, all I can say is he walked or hitched a ride the rest of the year. And I think that's how a lot of people try and deal with guilt. You know, we just pretend it's not a deal, like it'll just go away. But the truth is, if something is really wrong, the best thing you can do is fix it. Now, when it comes to cars, I'll be honest with you, I could try and fix it myself. But I am a terrible mechanic. My wife would tell you that. I am clueless. I know where the gas goes, and I know where the key goes. And that's it. I need to take it to the dealer. I need to take it to the manufacturer. And I think the same is true in our life. When the warning light goes off, we need to spend some time with our manufacturer. We need to spend some time with God. Now, before I look at how God fixes us with this guilt thing, I think we need to understand the difference between real guilt and false guilt. You know, real guilt, genuine guilt, is guilt that comes from the fact that I've done something wrong. You know, I have done something to hurt myself or to hurt other people or to hurt the heart of God. And the fact is, it's guilt that we've earned, either by doing something we shouldn't have or by not doing something we should have done. And because of our action or inaction, we feel guilty. That's genuine guilt. But false guilt, it's kind of like you think there might be a warning light going off in your life. And you just have this sense of guilt. People say to me way too often, they'll say, you know, I just have this feeling of guilt. You know, I don't know what I did, but I just feel bad. And if you're dealing with false guilt, you probably beat yourself up a lot. You know, in your head, you talk to yourself. You think that's enough? You, you call that acceptable? I mean, 
look, look at everything you mess up. You know, look at the people you disappoint. You know, look at all the stuff you never finish in your life. You deserve to live in this jailhouse of guilt. And what you hear when you're dealing with, with false guilt in your life is that many times it's not your fault. It's a result of incidents in your life that uh, you didn't have any will over. It wasn't a choice. You know, some people that struggle with it the most deal with this false guilt. It's because they got caught up in somebody else's circle of sin. You know, it may have been with a parent or a friend or someone really close to them. It may have been physical or, or mental or emotional abuse. And it may have been at a very early age in your life. And you feel like you're in this jail and you can't get out. And I want to tell you it's because of what they did, not you. There are also times that I think false guilt is you can't get past your past. You know, when when this is the case, I'll hear people say things like, uh, you know, I've asked God... To, to forgive me hundreds and hundreds of times, but I don't feel forgiven. I just can't get past my past. And, and probably all of us deal with false guilt to some degree in our life. Now, I'm just going to be blunt. I have found through my ministry that false guilt is really popular with churchgoers. Because what happens is, this false guilt, it produces a faith that is more about cell walls than open doors. It's more about a a jail cell than freedom. You know, it's more about tyranny than truth in life. You know, the book of Galatians in the New Testament, Paul is talking to some people who, who were living in this prison of guilt that were struggling with false guilt in their lives and who were trying to get out of the jail cell by doing a lot of good things. You know, Paul wrote this. He says, you began your life in Christ by the Spirit. Now, are you trying to make it complete by your own power? That's foolish. We looked at this last week a little bit. Friends, a sign that you are struggling with false guilt is... You can't feel forgiven by God, and so you try to make it better on your own, under your own power. So how do you know the difference between real guilt, genuine guilt, and false guilt? Well, I want to give you three quick questions you can ask yourself. The first one is, is the focus on people or is it on God? Because false guilt comes as a result of the judgment of people. True guilt, it's divine. It's a result of us understanding what God thinks about the situation. And if you're struggling with false guilt, what you find is you strive and you work really hard at getting people's approval. In fact, many times people become approval junkies in their life. They need people's approval to feel better about themselves. And the big problem with this false guilt is you never can get enough approval. 
You will live a life and you will feel worn out all the time. You cannot meet everybody's expectations. So the first thing you got to ask yourself, is it people or is it God? Why I'm feeling this guilt. The second question is, is it vague or is it very specific? I said this earlier that, you know, people say to me, I I feel guilty. I feel like I'm in a prison. I, I just can't get out of it. And I'll always ask him, why do you feel guilty? And many times they'll answer, I don't know. I just do. Friends, most of the time, most of the time, if you cannot pinpoint what it is, it's not God pressing you. When it is genuine guilt, when the warning light goes off in your life, God has a way of pinpointing What's wrong? It's not vague. It's not unresolvable. It's very specific. Here's what's wrong. Here's what you need to do to fix it. Also ask yourself, is it about rules or is it about relationship? When, when you struggle with this false guilt, there is this big feeling inside you that says, I broke the rules. When you're, when you're struggling with genuine guilt... You think different. You think, you know, I hurt someone. I hurt my spouse. I hurt my children, you know, my parents. I broke the heart of God with, by what I did in, in my life. And the big difference, again, is many times this false guilt is more about rules than it is about relationship. Faith becomes religion instead of relationship. False guilt blinds us to the miraculous power of God. False guilt will bind you to the meticulous rules of men. It just does. It just does. Which one would you rather have? God's way or your way? I mean, what what kind of guilt you have, whether it's false or genuine, The fact is, we've got ways that we deal with it. And God's also got a way of dealing with it. Now, our way, if we were to look at it, is, again, let's go back to the light on the dashboard. What are you going to do when that light comes on? I mean, it's amazing how we deal with guilt in our lives. All the way back to the beginning. First man, first woman, first sin. The way they dealt, dealt with it. It seems so common. I mean, I think it's something we can relate to in our lives. Genesis 3, the Bible says that after the first sin, Adam and Eve, they they sewed fig leaves together, and they covered themselves, and they hid from God. When God's walking through the garden, he calls out to Adam. And Adam finally comes out, and he says, you know, I was afraid because I was naked, so, so I hid. And then God begins to challenge him. And when God pressed him, he finally, he goes, the woman you gave me, God, she gave me the fruit, so I ate it. It sounds very contemporary to me. I mean, first response is there's shame. They feel bad. And if you you think for a moment that you can feel bad enough to make all the wrong go away, You can't. 
You absolutely can't. How many of you have figured that out in your life? That you can't feel bad enough. Shame, shame doesn't work. It just doesn't work. Adam and Eve, they, they go high fashion. You know, they sew fig leaves together. And then they try something else. They try and hide. You know, they're hiding behind a tree as if God couldn't see them. You know, it's like when my grandkids hide. They're like under a table. You can see them, but they're like, try and find me, you know. It's kind of like putting your hand over the dashboard warning light and acting like nothing's wrong. It doesn't work. Adam and Eve, they try and hide, and when that fails, then they try to deflect. They, they tried blame in that instance, uh, tried, to, tried to shift things. The story of Adam and Eve, when I read it, it's very tragic, but I also find it very humorous at points. I mean, you got Adam, you got Eve, you got the serpent, the evil one. God comes along, asks Adam, did you eat fruit from that tree? Adam took it like a man, blamed it on his wife. She did it, her fault. Eve follows suit. She blames the serpent. And friends, the serpent didn't have a leg to stand on at that point. (laughs) Friends, it's how we deal with guilt. We feel ashamed, we try and cover up, we hide, we deflect, we shift the blame. And friends, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. So what do you do when you find yourself in this jailhouse of guilt? God has a way out of that jail cell. And it's a very different way because God's way out is grace. It's grace. You know, the key to getting out of that jail cell, and I believe this is rock solid, from John it says if we confess our sins God is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness do you catch that it doesn't say some unrighteousness it doesn't say a little bit of unrighteousness all equation of grace if we confess our sins That's our part. God's faithful and just. Here comes God's part and will forgive us. That's how you deal with that jailhouse of guilt that makes us sick, that isolates us, that tears us apart. You know, the first thing you got to do is confess. Confess your sins. How, How do you do that? You say, God, I confess, I did it, and name it. You know, not just our need... But the sin, not just the problem or the situation, but lift up the sin to God. At some point, if you're going to break free from that jailhouse, you have to go to God and say, you know what, God, I left you out of my life. I left you out of this situation. I messed up. My life's a mess. And when we come to God, it changes things. I mean, most people, one of two things when they sin. They either try and cover up and pretend it's not there or you have to face up. You know, and if you're going to face up, it starts with confession. You got to tell God. And I always tell people, you might as well. God already knows. You're not hiding anything. Psalmist says, God, you know what I have done wrong. I cannot hide my guilt from you. There's nothing more difficult than trying to hide something that can't be hidden. 
It will wear you out. It will wear you down. Just be honest with God. Confess. It's not complicated. We make this so complicated. Just talk to God. That's what prayer's about. It's just having a conversation with God. Tell God, you know, here's, here's what I've done. Here's what I'm struggling with. I tell people, you know, it's really helpful to get a piece of paper and just dot, jot it down. Be specific, okay? No generalities here. You've got to say, God, I did, and name it. You've got to say it. And whether, whether it's genuine or false guilt that you're putting on that paper, when you get done, go outside and just burn it. Just burn it. Because, friends, when you burn the confession, they cannot hold you in jail anymore. You know, the Bible encourages that another step that you can take is to talk to a trusted Christian friend at that point. James 5.16 says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that God can heal you. Now, notice it doesn't say go tell everybody in the country. You know, it's, find someone that you're close to, someone that you, you trust. And I know some of you, as I'm talking, you're going, this stuff doesn't work. I mean, I've told God a hundred times. But friends, have you told someone else? And maybe that's why you're still struggling with it. Because there's something very healing and very freeing when you talk to someone else. Because all of a sudden, that sin that seems so big, that sin that you've been trying to hide in the dark, it kind of gets brings it down to size when you tell someone else. And it's amazing how many times when you tell someone else, they'll say something like this. Oh, yeah, I struggle with that too. Or I know so-and-so struggles with that. You know, all of a sudden, you realize you're not alone. You realize it's not so big. So... Confess your sins to God. Tell a trusted friend. It's part of God's way of dealing with this jailhouse of guilt. And I know some of you are going, but but I've done that. I've confessed my sins over and over and over. It's been 20 years ago, and I still don't feel forgiven. Well, that's why you've got to do the second part of 1 John 1, 9. It reminds us that we have to experience God's grace. Not only do we need to confess our sins, but friends, we need to trust God's character. I mean, many people confess their sins, but they never really get to know God, the God that's forgiving them. And friends, you're never going to feel forgiven until you get this one right. God is faithful and just. You can count on God. God's faithful. He'll be there. And I know a lot of people who think that they just can't get close to God because of the way that they feel, that they don't feel forgiven so they don't get close to God. And I want to tell you, it's a trap. It's a trap. The truth is, this is truth. The closer you get to God, the more you'll feel forgiven. You know, when you get close to God, the God who loves you, the God who sent his son to die for you, a God that that cares about everything that's going on in your life, as you get closer, you experience that forgiveness. But as long as you keep God at arm's length, friends, you're going to feel like you're in a jail cell. 
you're not going to feel very forgiven. You know, Hebrews 10.22 says, let us come near to God with a sincere heart and a sure faith because we have been made free from our guilty conscience. God sets you free from that jailhouse of guilt. That's what Jesus Christ is all about. That's what the cross is all about. That's what the death and the burial and resurrection of Christ was all about. And friends, when you accept that invitation and you get close to God, guess what? You can walk out of that cell free. Free to be the person God created you to be. You do not become the person that God created you to be by living in a jailhouse of guilt. You become the person by living in Graceland. I remember the first time I went roller skating, and uh, I was in sixth grade. My brother's four years younger than me. And so we're in the car with my mom, and we're heading to Skateland, and uh, my brother's asking all kinds of questions about it. And so I start telling him how dangerous it is. I said, people get run over on the rink. Arms and legs are lost sometimes in collisions. There were a couple people a few weeks ago that got killed out there. That's what brothers do for brothers, right? We get to Skateland. Mom drops us off. My brother took forever putting his skates on. I kept stopping in, checking on him. And finally, he gets out on the floor. And I mean, he's hugging the board, the outside wall. He's hugging it. And I, I'm just guessing he maybe made it around two or three times. As soon as the, the last song played for the session, my brother got his skates off so quick and he's standing at the door waiting on my mom. We got in the car and uh, mom goes, how was skating? I go, it's great. My brother didn't say a word. Finally, mom goes, how was skating? He goes, I didn't fall and I didn't get killed. (laughs) Friends, that's how a lot of us deal with God's grace. Sometimes we're skating through life and we know that God's forgiven us, but we clutch the board of legalism in our lives. We hold on to all these rules, all these things that we've got to do to get God's approval. And somehow we think we're going to enjoy the Christian walk, that we're going to enjoy God. Friends, I would encourage you, get out of the jail cell. You know, hit the rink. Enjoy God's grace. And I know as I say that, some of you are going, but but I might fall. Well, I got news for you. You will fall. None of us is perfect. We, and what happens when we fall is God's going to pick you up and God's going to give you strength and you find that you can skate a little further and then you're going to fall again and God's going to pick you up and you're going to fall again and God's going to pick you up and he's going to keep picking you up until finally one day you're cruising around the rink and you're flying in life. But trust me, you can trust God's faithfulness. And last piece here, accept God's forgiveness. If we confess our sins, God's faithful, God's just, and will, what? 
forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Again, not some, not a little, not most. It's all unrighteousness. That's what God can do. Yet too many Christians, they ask God for forgiveness. They even recognize that God's able, but they only feel like part of their sin was cleansed. And they live in the cell of guilt. John said this, follows the, for God so loved the world piece. And it says, people who believe in Jesus and God's son are not judged. I mean, when you believe in Jesus Christ, friends, there is absolutely no reason to live in a jail cell. You're going to make mistakes. And when you sin, when you confess whatever it is, God is willing to forgive you grace. It's grace. Now, I'll be clear. Sometimes when we sin, in fact, many times, there are consequences to sin. But God's grace will help you with that also. And I know for some of you, this God's forgiveness is a tough one. You know, it's kind of like if you uh, were to get a notice in the mail. And let's just say you have some big bill that you owe. And you get this notice and it says paid in full. Now, if it says paid in full, do you worry about that bill anymore? Now, Now, you may go, well, you know, I don't know if I really paid it. You know, maybe it's a mistake. It's going to catch up with me. And some of you probably get on the phone and call the company, maybe, and say, is this for real? Has it been paid? And I know there's a lot of people, that's how they deal with sin in their life. When it it comes to sin, they, they struggle. They go, I know the Bible says that it's been paid in full, but someday God's going to catch up with me. So, So you get this bill in the mail. This invoice says paid in full. And let's just say that there was a letter in there. And it says the bill has been paid in full for you. And if there is ever a problem, just take this letter to our accounting office. I've signed it. I'm the president of the company. It has been paid in full. Would that make a difference for you? I mean, would that give you some confidence God has given you a letter. It's called the Bible. And he states very clearly, very succinctly, sin, debt, it's been paid. It's paid. Some of you are going, yeah, but you don't know what I've done. You you do not understand how big it is. You don't know the crime I committed. You don't realize what I'm running from. You just don't get it. You don't know the the abuse and the violence that my life has caused. You don't know how much pain I've caused my spouse or my parents or my kids. You have no idea. I mean, how could God forgive me? Friends, if you read God's word, it is story after story after story of not only God forgiving people, but God using them. Abraham started out, he was a worshiper of other idols. He he struggled with lying most of his life. Yet he became the father of our faith. 
You know, there was a guy named Moses that was a murderer. Yet God chose him to deliver the children of Israel. You know, there was a guy named Paul who was Saul. And he went to churches. And he had people killed, slaughtered, murdered. He wrote a large part of the New Testament. Friends, not only does God want to forgive you, not only does God want to free you of that jailhouse of guilt, God wants to use you. If you just remember you live in Graceland. You know, for some of you, I think you sort of like the jailhouse. You feel like if you surround yourself with all this guilt, that like it's going to motivate you, that it's going to keep you out of trouble in your life. And so what you do, you get up every morning, you have a little guilt with your breakfast. Get you moving. You have a little more guilt at lunch, keeps you going. And some of you, if you were honest, you'd go, you know, I kind of like it. Because I'm afraid that if I don't stay in this cell, if I leave it and start living in Graceland, I won't be motivated. You think guilt keeps you safe. Now, here's a question I want to ask you. Do you think guilt is stronger than God's grace? You can get out of the jail cell. You can live in Graceland. You do not have to be locked up. You know, for for some of you, I know you've been running a long time. You've been running, and the warning light's been going off, and you're pretending it's not there. You've been living in a jailhouse, and you're pretending that's not where you're living. And friends, it's not working for you, is it? I talk to too many people. It never works. The psalmist says, I finally admitted all my sins to you and stopped trying to hide them. I said to myself, I will confess them to the Lord and you forgave me. All my guilt is gone. Some of you need the first half of that verse. Some of you just need to go to God and say, God, I admit it. I am tired of this cell. I'm tired of the guilt. I'm tired of trying to hide. I admit my sins. And you just need to say, lift it to God. But some of you need the second half of this verse. And you forgave me. And my guilt is gone. For some strange reason, I don't know why, but we have a hard time putting the two halves of that verse together. A lot of people do the first half, admit, but then they just sit in this jailhouse of guilt and shame. Doors open. All you got to do is walk out. God says, not guilty. You're free. Not because you deserve it, but because of God's love. Friends, you live in Graceland. And I love it when the jailhouse rocks. We tried to think about how we visually could share Graceland with you. And after, after the prayer, just let God minister to you with this piece. 
Our gracious God, God, we praise you. God, we thank you. We thank you for open cell doors. We thank you that we can walk out free. God, give us the strength to own up to whatever it is we need to own up to. Whether it's genuine guilt or false guilt, God, give people the power today just to throw that stuff your way. And God, then give us the strength to walk out of that cell door free, free indeed. God, we give you the praise. We give you the glory. This day and every day. Amen. Let God minister to you.